Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Embodied gratitude. Embodied gratitude, which is a little bit deeper than just a mind of attitude or a verbalizing gratitude. And I was thinking this, I mean, I remember as a kid, and I remember when our girls were small, but there's always the standard, like, say thank you, thank you, that comes out, which... When you're on the recipient of the thank you, you're like, oh my gosh, don't even bother. And, and so sometimes I think we can even hit a, like, oh my goodness, it's Thanksgiving weekend. And I, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I've got this and we've got that and we've been blessed with this. And it can almost come across like a thank you. And really, I believe God's calling us to like, honestly, do you know? Do you know what you have in me? Do you know what you're blessed with? And particularly... Um, when we come into knowledge of Jesus Christ, something changes on the inside of us that we can't just put a light thank you on. It is a deep thing of the heart that is done. And I hope you experienced it in the baptisms this morning. It's really hard when we just do the short testimonies. I wish people had time to tell their whole story, but um, there are big stories of transformation that are happening in people's lives. And there's big stories of transformation that have happened for all of us in some fashion or another. And we wanna make sure that when we're doing this thing of gratitude, that we're not just like being grateful, but we're putting gratitude where it belongs. And so I was thinking about this. There's like this scary thing that happens when you're preaching these days. And there's a lot of warnings about it. Um, you know, for, for online preachers. And so, you know, when we went through COVID and everything, everybody suddenly went online. Suddenly we all have to learn the rules of online, which is everybody can Google your stuff while you're talking. And so the, the whole thing is it's so important to actually cite a source. If you're quoting somebody, if you're pulling material from somewhere, if you're stating a fact or whatever, it used to be, you know, like I, I'm not saying all preachers, but some might have said things like, you know, 97% of people are, you know, whatever. How do you know that? Seems right to me. The people that I know, 97% of them struggle with this or whatever. You know, we, we might just embellish the specifics of the, of the percentages or whatever. And now it's like, this is good. We get called to account. People in colleges, universities, high schools even, um, your, your essays, your papers are run through algorithms to find out if there's any patterns of speech that you're duplicating off somebody else and you're not citing a source, that's a problem. And so we want to cite the source. So what is interesting about gratitude is gratitude is one of those things of the heart that actually demands that we cite a source. Gratitude is something that we, we crave. We as humans, we need it. We actually, um, can watch the scientific studies. We can see the patterns of uh, psychology and how they advise people. But essentially, gratitude has all kinds of benefits. I'm not going to give you all the specifics because then I'd have to cite the source. And I didn't want to have to do all the digging this time. But we all know... We all know. But there, there is all, all kinds of studies actually about um, how the brain works, how, how things are put back together, any places where there's trauma, things like that. Gratitude is one of the major repairers of that. Right down to like your physical stuff, digestion issues, heart issues, all of that. Gratitude actually has physical effects in all the systems of our body. That's actually true. So you can Google that and dig it up for yourself. But gratitude, because it's a thing, we can say, okay, I'm going to live a grateful life. But grateful to what? Grateful to who? Like a thank you needs a place to land. So if we don't have a source that we're citing it to, we're like, you know, we're grateful to the universe. We're grateful to whatever, Mother Earth. Like we find, we find things to hunt, to, to be grateful toward because we know that gratitude belongs somewhere. And so deeper than just the somewhere, we want to get to the bottom of the source. We can't just say, I'm grateful and so that's just a feeling. You know, we want to get to the why of it. We want to get to the underneath it. And so I was thinking about even just the basic stuff of, you know, when we, we understand when they say that, you know, things are five million years old and whatever, who is they and how do they know this? 
Or, uh, you know, there's, there's random they things that come up. We know that there's things that everybody knows. Everybody knows they say that chickens can't fly. I, I've never actually seen that or experienced it. I, I'm trusting farmers to tell me that chickens can't fly. And then there's like social things that everybody knows. They say, um, Wayne actually sent me a picture the other day because we had booked Walter in to get a grooming. And um, apparently they do mullets on Labradoodles now. Because they say mullets are coming back in style. I don't know who they are, but they need to repent because <laughs> it was bad enough the first time around. It should not, it should not be happening again. We want to we know deeper things than they think. We all know it's all, everybody knows it's, we want deeper things than that. And when we're talking about gratitude as believers, as people of faith, it is very important that our gratitude is not coming out as they say, or we all think, or we all know. We all know that God's good. We all know that God's faithful. Well, they they say that Jesus loves me. We, you know, I heard in church, the pastor said that. No, what do you know? What's your source? What's, what's the source that you are citing for the things that are going on in your heart and mind? What, where is the place that your life is rooted and grounded? What's going on on the inside of you? Because they say is not enough. We say, and everybody knows, is not enough. It's got to go deeper than that. So as Christians, we want to dig deeper into some of the stuff that is experiential for us. We know that the word says, so this is a really good documented thing. But how I apply this will give me my, he, he said it. I know he said it. I know he did it. I know he's faithful. I know he's good. I will dig into it personally. There's a story in the, in the Bible in uh, John chapter 9, and it's the story of the blind man who was blind from birth. And Jesus heals him, and he can see fully and completely. And interestingly enough, the religious people of the day come up, and they're like, who was it that did this? And why did he do it? And why did he do it on this day? And, and obviously, he's got the wrong motives. What do you think his motives are? Do you think he's a sinner? Do you think he's a this? Do you think he's a that? Do you think he's power tripping? They're trying to get this guy because they want to know. They want to, they said, we think, we know. They want a generalized place to take the story. And he answered them and he simply said, I can't say anything to any of that stuff. All I can tell you is I was blind and now I see. Who says, what are we citing? What's the place where we're giving the credit to? This man said, I don't really care about all y'all's stuff, your business with God or not God. I don't care about your dance with religion. All I know is I was blind and now I see. And for all of us, when we're looking at a Thanksgiving day, we're looking at a baptism Sunday, whatever, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what we all know. It doesn't matter what's the generalized things that we should be grateful for. It matters that we personally say, okay, How do I know God is good? Why am I grateful? What's going on in my life? What is the thing that has transformed my life from one way to another? How do I know? What is it that I can say that is absolutely truth? Acts 26, 18, we talked about this verse last week is when Paul was sent out to minister to the Gentiles. And he was sent to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He was sent to open their eyes. This is open their spiritual eyes so that they can come from darkness into light. They can come from blindness into sight and we can spiritually encounter God. He was saying, God was saying to Paul, this is your job, this is your assignment. Individuals will experience me. This, if we've said yes to Jesus, this is true of us. And so if this is true of us, we don't want to just say Paul wrote it or Luke wrote it about Paul. Paul heard it from God. We don't want to say they said, what's my experience? Have I been moved from darkness to light? Was I blind and now I see? Is there something true for me now that wasn't true before? 
Is there something I experience of God that I didn't experience before? That is my testimony. And that is the place that I praise from. That is the place that there is great gratitude. It is that place where I can actually say, I was blind and now I see. And literally, um, I, I feel it like, you know, obviously out in nature, the word tells us that creation, you know, ex- explodes with his goodness. It's who he, he is. It's stamped on all that is around us. But it is more like in the moments of joy, the moments of trauma, the moments of pain, the moments that need strength, the moments of delight. It's all those deep things that we walk through personally that you can just, you can just know if you cry out to him, his presence is there. I have felt him in those moments where I didn't know where else to turn. I have felt him when I knew nobody else could understand, when I couldn't express what was going on in my heart. I have felt him when there was such radical joy and release, and I know it could only be due to who he is and what he's done in my life. It's that internal thing where I can say, I was blind, but now I see. Outside of God, I wouldn't know how to process what it is I'm walking through, but in him, I have this internal thing. Colossians 1, 13 to 16 talks about this this, uh, thing that happens. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. It means that days like where we just, we pick a date on a calendar, honestly, and say it's Thanksgiving day, but every day should be Thanksgiving day. This is just a really strong reminder that we should pause and say it, but it's every day we need to recognize that what we have, what we experience, everything around us is built by him and for him, including myself. I was made by him for him. You were made by him for him. It's this deep thing that's far more than I'm so glad we got stuff. It's deeper. It's this, the cells of my body are made to bring him glory. Like every, every fiber of who I am was put together to give him glory. It's a deep, beautiful, incredible thing. It's literally moving from the power of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the son of his love. It's this place where honestly in him, no matter what circumstances go on around me, I can have this heart expression of radical gratitude that really comes down to my personal version of, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. And I want, I want us to just sit in that for a second. Personally, like just look in your own life. We can sit through sermons. We can go to talks. We can go to different things and have somebody talk inspirational words to us and have it never change us. What changes us is when we allow the word of God to hit us on the inside and produce something. And so for us, as we sit here even today, what is it in my life? What is it in your life that you could say, I was blind, but now I see And maybe that is, I've felt his comfort. I've experienced his wisdom. I've known his kindness. I felt his presence. I felt lighter. I've experienced forgiveness. I've been set free from addictions. I've been delivered from demons. All of the above. (laughs) You know, what's, what's your thing? What's something on the inside? If you pause for a minute, and let it bubble up. And maybe your life is just a train wreck right now. You're in the right spot. Because we know somebody who has the answer. But we don't want to focus on the train wreck. We want to say in the middle of that, what is it on the inside of me that could say, I was blind, but now I see? What is it that changes? Where was it that depression landed that now you have lightness? Where was it that anger overtook you, but now you have self-control? Where was it when you couldn't love your spouse, but now you have this unusual 
love for them that came out of somewhere you couldn't imagine? What's the place on the inside that's your, I was blind, but now I see? And when that's there, we want to move into expressed gratitude. And so expressed gratitude is the recognizing that something has happened and we actually talk about it. It's, actually, it's the little things. It is literally the thank you, God, that we've got a roof over our head and food on our table. But what would happen if you didn't? Would he still be worthy of your gratitude? Yes. It's not circumstantial. It's deeper than that. So the things that are on the inside, are we expressing them? Do we tell God? It's like Pastor George said, are we the one that comes back and says, God, thank you. I'm so grateful for your hand upon my life. I'm so grateful that you see me. I'm so grateful that I'm not alone. I'm so grateful that you're walking me through. I'm so grateful for your wisdom, your peace, your kindness, your mercy, your faithfulness, your justice. I'm so grateful for all of who you are. I'm so grateful for the relationship. I'm so grateful that when I am at the bottom of my bottom, you are there with me. And you hold me together and you pick me up and you walk me through. I'm so grateful that in the middle of loss, I'm never really alone, that you are the comforter. I'm so grateful that when I've walked through joy this, this season, that it has been because of your goodness. And I know I'm not worthy. I am not, I'm not the one who just deserves all this great stuff. You're just that good. And when it's hard, I didn't fail. I'm not a loser. I didn't bring this on myself, but I am experiencing you up close walking through the depths. And I would rather go through the depths with you than stand on the heights alone. Come on. If you haven't experienced that yet, I hope you do at some point. The place where you, you really, in the broken spot, experience the purity and the beauty and the strength and the power of the love and kindness of God. See, life, if, it, if it's all going right and everything's falling together and it's perfect, it's going to last for like a minute. And then stuff's going to happen because that's the life that we live in. You know, I was thinking about, and, and we just a reminder, we all need to be praying for Israel. Things are major over there. And this is God's, God's eye is on that situation. We need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and praying for Israel. But do you know, they're God's chosen people and his eyes are on that place, even though things are really rough right now, even though bombs are flying, even though people are being injured, even though stuff's happening, God's still there. If our, if our relationship with him and our heart expression of gratitude is only dependent on the circumstances of our life, then who are we actually citing or what are we actually citing for the gratitude? Just go back to that. You're writing an essay. You're telling about the gratitude in your heart, the fullness of joy that you have. If it's circumstantial, who are you putting in the credits? your job, your nice house, your happy, perfect relationships right now, the bank balance. What's getting the credit? If we're set on God, if we're anchored on God, then whether it's good or it's bad, it's always God. And our words should release that. Psalm 107, one, one to two says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything Give thanks. There's this expression that is meant to come at all times. Give thanks to the Lord. Let your mouth express it. Let the, the redeemed of the Lord say so. It actually should come out. This is expressed praise. And if we don't make this a practice, here's the warning side of the Thanksgiving thing. There's a slide that we can fall into. There's a place that if we're not putting the credit where the credit's due, and you are a, a university student, you fail your class or you get booted. 
You don't put credit where credit's due and you're a business owner, you get sued. You don't put credit where credit's due and you're a ministry leader, you actually get cut. You, you get canceled. You know, if you are living your life as a child, a son or daughter of God, and you don't put credit where credit is due, there will be an effect. And so let's dig into that for just a moment here. Romans 1, 20 to 21 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. For those that say, I experience God most in creation... That makes perfect sense. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Sometimes when we get out in the woods, we're looking at a tree, I assume scoping a deer, whatever. (laughs) There's a feeling on the inside that, wow, this is bigger than me. This came from somewhere. There is a God. That's one piece of it. There is attributes of him around us. What, when, when people say that, but then they don't want to be in church at all, they don't want to actually engage in the relationship with Jesus, it's because there's a piece that's actually missing that's meant to follow that up. When we experience God wherever and however we experience him, it's meant to be responded to. So it says that his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. But then he talks about people who absolutely can see that God's all around. However, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Yuck. Let's read that again. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So literally, if we, if we become the people who worship the creation instead of the creator, we will digress into a place that we're not supposed to be. Things will go wrong in our minds. Things will go wrong on the inside of us. Things will go to a bad place because we are meant to, God shows us himself. He's got his fingerprints all over so that we will hunt for him, so that we will search for him, so that we will reach to him. He is actually presenting himself and we are meant to respond to him. But if we don't, it literally messes with our thinking. Have you ever looked around the world and went, how on earth did so many crazy people get positions of power? I cannot stay there too long. (laughs) There's a thing that happens if we go a little further and it says that professing to be wise, they became fools. There's a crossover that happens is the more that we think that we know more than God, the more we see him and then go, ah, I can figure that out. Ah, I'm, I'm, I can be responsible for that. I can, I can manage that. I can do what I want with it. I've had this revelation and now I can make my own expression surrounding it. What happens is we shift and literally professing to, become, professing to be wise, we become fools. And there are people around the world who think that they know it all. They have experienced a measure of the miraculous, thought it to death, did not give God the credit, did not cite him, were not grateful, and began degrading in the process of thought until we've got world systems that are absolutely debunked of any kind of moral compass. There's places that have fallen, there's things that have been so twisted, truly because we have chosen as society to walk away from God. Because we've looked at, this is, this is amazing, this is miraculous, this is beyond our understanding, and yet, We don't want to acknowledge God. Personally, we have to recognize where that might happen for us as well. Where we can take credit for the things that are going on, where we can see God's hand and we are not grateful. Where we do not give him the credit that's due, where we do not worship, we do not praise out of a place of gratitude, but we decide that we have done it ourselves. And this is a dangerous spot. So I want to just finish up today. We want to just talk about embodied gratitude. Because I can say, I can verbalize, and I need to. It's the starting point. I can verbalize that I'm grateful to God. 
I can verbalize that I can, I can see a creator, I recognize him, and I, I'm grateful for everything that I see around me. That's the express thing. That is simply a starting point. We are meant to then live out of it because if we see it and we express it, but we actually do not glorify him as God or are thankful, it degrades us. So embodied gratitude is a little bit deeper. Psalm 103, one to five is an incredible psalm. It's, it's um, such a good place to just land and meditate. And it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Not just my words, not just a passing thing, but all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is, the psalmist is telling himself, he's like, okay, I know that there's benefits. I actually need to respond to this. My whole soul, I have to, like from the inside out, I have to actually respond to him. And he's telling himself, you need to engage with God about this. It says, uh, he forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. There is stuff here that is tangible, practical stuff. And then there's inside stuff, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. When was the last time we just meditated on the kindness of God? the love of God, his mercy towards us and just offered ourselves in response to that. That alone would be something. But there's more. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Forget not his benefits who forgives all your iniquities. I've been uh, fascinated sometimes with some of the things that happen, you know, online. Now that everybody gets to talk back to stuff, um, I'm sure people yelled at their TVs back in the day, but now they yell online. Anytime somebody does something particularly horrific and it's going to court, it's going to trial, people are so verbal with, I hope he gets the death penalty. I hope this happens. I hope, and it's like justice. We need justice, which I totally get. The fact is though, is any one of us worthy? You know, maybe, maybe we're not axe murderers in the house. Maybe, you know, we haven't done horrible things. We haven't blown up buildings or whatever. Maybe you have. And praise God for forgiveness. Um, <laughs> there's not a person in this room who hasn't sinned, who hasn't, A, hurt the heart of God or hurt somebody around us, who hasn't said something or done something that has caused pain to somebody else, who hasn't, I mean, we all know that feeling when you, you have an experience in life and whatever you do or however you act or react and you get there with your own thoughts after the fact and you're like, oh my gosh, that was a mistake. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to dig my way out of that one. The very basics of he forgives our iniquities should be enough to make us dance with gratitude for the rest of our lives. The fact that he says not just I've forgiven it, but it did deserve justice. It did deserve a sentence. It did deserve a penalty. And so I paid it. It would literally be like one of those cases that we see going to court and the person being found guilty and sentenced to death and somebody stepping up and saying, I don't know this person. I had no connection to this case, but I'll, I'll take the hit on this one. That'd be unthinkable. And yet literally it happened for all of us. That Jesus actually said, I will pay the price. That should be enough for a measure of gratitude that is far deeper than anything that a full fridge or a full bank account could cover. The fact that my life has been paid for, that I have been redeemed is a massive thing. And because of that, there should be an outward flow of what happens. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Colossians 1.18 talks about that we, in all things, he should have preeminence, that he should have the first place. Ephesians 1.12 says that we should be or live to the praise of his glory. Not just that we sing 
gratitude, but we live gratitude, that we live an expression of, I can't believe that you've done this for me. But the warning that we see in the scripture that I just read, that they weren't grateful, they weren't thankful, they just became depraved in their own minds. It's the crossover of what happens when we begin to see the good things around us. We begin to see the stuff that, you know, maybe we're working two, three jobs. Maybe we're, we're serving really hard. Maybe we're doing all the right things. And we're so tempted on a Thanksgiving weekend to be like, wow, I've had a good year. I did a great job. I've made some good choices. I've worked hard. I'm seeing the fruit of my labors. And the gratitude and the celebration doesn't necessarily go where it's supposed to go. That we don't necessarily cite the source. And an ungrateful life is a dangerous life. An ungrateful life is a recipe for failure. And there's a passage in Deuteronomy, and it's kind of an interesting one, but this is Moses uh, explaining, he's been talking with God and he's talking to the children of Israel. They've come out of bondage, they've come out of slavery. For those that were with us last week, we talked about that, the, the amazing thing that would happen when a generation, a, a, a whole nation comes out of bondage and literal slavery into freedom, into life, into the promised land, into something brand new. And they get to experience for the first time all the gifts of freedom, what that looks like, the stuff that we get to experience in our lives around us all the time. But it came with a warning. And it says in Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. This is the embodied gratitude. Not just saying, wow, we're so glad we're in this new place. I'm gonna do things my own way now. Got it from here. They, you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Wow, when things are good. When you've got it together, when you have the house and the car and the boat and the quad and the trailer and the stuff and the show horse and the whatever, when you got all the good stuff, there's a serious warning. Not about having it. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. When you forget to cite the source. It's not that God wants everybody poor or that he wants everybody rolling in Rolexes. It's that our hearts are intended to live in a constant state of gratitude to him. For every breath that we have, everything that we get to be entrusted with, everything that we get to steward, that we don't lift up our hearts against him. The one who led you, verse 15, out uh, through the great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you, might be some hard times, to do you good in the end. Oh, I thought God was on my side. I thought it was, we were praying and it just got harder and harder. I mean, we were, we were standing in faith and it was just tough. I mean, honestly, I'm starting to question the goodness of God. Now, sometimes there are some things that we go through in order to do you good in the end. Literally, God walks us through the process of refinement and development so we can experience his goodness. But then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Oh, and this is the riskiest thing. My hand, my power, my strength, what I have, I have earned because I'm doing good. It's such a risky thought. It's such a risky place for the heart to land because when that happens, we have moved ourselves into a place that God belongs. Verse 18, then remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power 
to get wealth, that he might establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Remember the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth. In our place in this nation, our place in this province, I believe one of the prevailing principalities that we deal with is mammon. It's the thing of money and power and position that happens that tries to um, give us a sense of control. If we have stuff, we feel like we can control our circumstances. Do you know in one day, things could change? Your lungs give out, your heart gives out, your nerves give out, your legs give out, something quits. It's gone. It is literally God who gives us the very breath we breathe. If there is strength in our bodies, if there is strength in our muscles, if there's strength in our bones, if we have wisdom to work with, if we have intelligence, if we have the ability to pursue ideas and, and uh, understand how systems work, it is from God. It is literally from God. And so even on a day like this, the warning is there that we need to remember the Lord our God who gives us the ability to make wealth. What if you don't have wealth? How are your relationships? How's your family? How's your marriage? Do you know that we actually degrade to such a terrible place if we don't have the love of God in our hearts, in how we treat other people and how we function in life? The, the fact that we actually can sustain society and a healthy civilization at all is because there's elements of the wisdom of God intertwined into things. The fact that we haven't all just taken out people is because there's a conscience on the inside of us that is of God. He has given us the ability for all what we see around us. But verse 19 is the place that we want to just sit on for a couple minutes. Then it shall be if by any means you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Another translation says you will die. Um, what I think is interesting is about that is because we've been talking about light and life darkness and death. We've been called out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. We've been called out of death and into life. So what this means is that if we move away from this place of relationship with God, we automatically start moving towards things of death. Now tell me, how many of us, we, we, we all, maybe we are this person, maybe we know this person, but you came to Grand Prairie for three to five years to make your fortune and leave. And the suck happens the day you unpack your boxes. And there's something around us that just says, you need more. You need more. You need more. Wayne and I were out to dinner one night and there was a, a couple couples beside us having dinner. And the man said to the other man, did you see my wife's new purse? that doesn't get your attention I don't some followed up by it's a Louis Vuitton there are things that happen to us where we we can come into a place of hope and if we do not keep God in first place we are drawn towards that I need more I need more I need more and we have watched men particularly in this area drift into substance abuse because they need to try and work more, work longer. They're away from home for longer periods of time. Prostitution has gone up. Porn use has gone up. Marriages fall apart. Things break down. Now there's split homes. Kids are broken. They're dealing with it in the school system because kids are coming to school and they don't have any place of identity. Things are falling apart. That is the definition of death. That is when we came up here as a family and we're leaving as fractured bits because something else had our attention. Something else had our heart. And so God's not, he's not saying it's punishment. He's just saying that's the drift. 
if you don't take what I give you and, and build the relationship with me, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't hit a heart of gratitude, I mean, marriages, nobody stands there on their wedding day saying their vows going, wow, I hope this works out, but I, you know, I don't know. I hope I chose good. People are like, I think you're a gift from God. You complete me. You're the other half, whatever. Well, if God has blessed you with somebody and you're in covenant with them and he's not being glorified in the marriage, he's not being glorified in the relationship. He's not being glorified in our responses to one another and how we serve one another and how we, how we love one another. The marriage drifts towards death. That's, that's just the flow. It's not punishment. It's just how things go. So let's just look at these quick words and, and we want to flip it because the warning is what happens if we walk away from God, but God starts with remember, remember me, remember the Lord, your God. Then he says, if you forget the Lord, your God, but remember the Lord, your God. So there's a four step process. And I want to just leave us with this today to think about over whatever dinners we're having, whatever gathers, gatherings we're having, we can sit and say, God, thank you for my shoes. Thank you for my house. Thank you for the cat. Thank you for what, thank you. And it kind of comes across like, thank you. But we want to firstly say with full gratitude of heart. My expressed gratitude is my soul will magnify the Lord. Bless the Lord. God, we are grateful to you. Look at the people around your table, whether they're blood family or chosen family. Look at the people around your table and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this person. Thank you, God, that I have an opportunity to love and serve and bless. Thank you, Lord, that I have some people to do life with in whatever fashion. Lord, thank you for the very breath that I'm breathing right now. I thank you that I have another day to live and to love and to bless, to serve, to honor you. God, I thank you for your kindness towards me. I thank you that I have not received what I deserved because in your eyes, actually, all my righteousness was filthy rags. I am, I am no better than anybody else. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your kindness, but I receive it with such gratitude. I'm so grateful for your hand upon my life. I'm so grateful that I can ask for your wisdom and your counsel and your guidance. I'm so grateful for that. So I remember him. But the embodiment of gratitude takes it a step further. And this is the path that we see here. Number one is remember. Number two is follow. Because this is what he says, if you don't remember, if you, if you don't remember me, you're going to follow other gods. Follow, you're going to actually put your, your legs in place. You're going to begin to do things that are motivated by some other source. So instead of that, we want to make sure that not only do I remember what God has done for me, but I am purposing to follow him. It's interesting because that phrasing, that's what we actually call baptism. It's following the Lord into the waters of baptism. We follow him. Jesus led the way in this. He showed us how to, to know him, how to come into relationship. So we follow. And then it says serve. If we're not serving God, if we're not grateful, if we're not honoring him, our life will literally drift. We will forget him. We will begin to follow other gods and then we will serve them. I was thinking about like even the list of songs like, funnest song ever, but everybody's working for the weekend. We could bust it out. There's enough of us who grew up in the late 80s that it could happen. But, but what a declaration, right? Why am I working? Why do I go to my job every day? Is it literally for a paycheck? She works hard for the money, so you better treat her right. You know, there's... Why do we do what we do? Something will always give us a why if we don't make sure that our why lands where it belongs. So we remember him, we follow him, we three serve him. We serve him. God, my life is lived to serve you. I am not working for a paycheck. I am not working for the weekend. I am not living my life for self-gratitude or self-gratification. I'm not living my life for my wishes. I am serving you. God, how can I serve you today? How can I serve you today? And then it says, 
the fourth one is worship. Sometimes we want to start with, I have gratitude, and so I worship you. I have gratitude, so I worship you. But worship is a part of a progression, real worship, not just singing worship, but authentic, I live my life for God kind of worship. It comes after some of these other steps. Some of us actually have a hard time living a life of worship or even expressing worship because we're actually struggling with following him and serving him. It's my life. I'll do what I want. It's in my terms, my box, my packaging. But I worship you. No, we don't. But when we say, okay, literally, God, I can't produce my next heartbeat. I can't produce my next breath. I can't make everything right around me. I can't earn my way into any kind of satisfaction with you. I can't, I can't control and fix and manipulate my life in all the ways that I would like to. What I can do is say, I am so grateful for what it is I have with you. I'm so grateful that you see me. I'm so grateful that you love me. I'm so grateful that I can know you. I'm so grateful that you've forgiven me. I'm so grateful, Lord, that your hand is upon me, that you, you give me wisdom, that you help our marriage, that you help our family, that you guide my steps. I'm so grateful, Lord, for your presence in my life, for your compassion, your mercy, your kindness. I'm so grateful for your comfort. I'm so grateful. And so I will follow you. I have followed my own way for a while and I suck as the leader. I would rather take the back seat and let you drive. I will follow you wherever you're going because I know you're going to lead me to a good place. And even if it feels hard for a little while, you're walking me through so you can do good for me. And as I follow you, I'm not just waiting for you to produce something for me. I'm not, I'm serving you. I am actively serving you. I am actively pouring out my life for you. And from that place of service, there is such a deep place of worship. I honor you. Worship means worthship. You are worth it. You are worth my life. You are worth my praise. You are worth my honor. This kind of gratitude is something that is more than a statement and it is a full way of life. This is what God's calling us to. I'm gonna have the worship team come and I wanna challenge you today, even as you go through this weekend, start with literally the verbalized gratitude. Actually stating where you're at with him recognizing him, recognizing what he's done, recognizing who he is, but then take it further. Spend some time meditating and asking yourself if you've remembered him or you've, you've given that gratitude to him, are you following him? Are you going where he's leading you? Are you serving him? Because this is embodied gratitude. Are we serving him with our whole lives and our whole hearts? And are we living a life that worships him? Are we embodying gratitude? Is it obvious when you see my life? Is it obvious when people see your life that you live for God? Does he get the glory? Because he deserves it. Let's stand together today. Colossians 1, 17 to 18, and he is before all things and in him, all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, he might have preeminence. Lord, today, as we celebrate this Thanksgiving weekend, God, we do declare that this is our desire. Lord, not just that we, we have those things that you have blessed us with, God, not just that we acknowledge that it's there, but Lord, we want to live our lives in such a way that you have preeminence, that you are in the first place. God, that we would remember you, that we would be able to recount your goodness in our lives, God, that we would be able to recount your hand upon us, Lord, the love that you've offered us. But God, also we ask that you would remind us that we're called to serve you 
that we're called to follow you, that we're called to live a life of worship to you. Lord, that we're meant to be carriers of you wherever we go, that we're not just grateful to you once a year, but Lord, in every day, our lives are walking embodied gratitude. How could we say no to the one who's given it all for us, Lord? We want to live our lives for you. We wanna be expressions of your goodness. We wanna be the embodiment of people who live life surrounded and wrapped in your presence, Lord. And God, I pray over every, every family, every gathering this weekend, every personal worship time, personal devotion time, Lord, that there would be such a deep sense of true gratitude true gratitude that cites the source as it should be. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Lord, today I pray that you would help us to step into deeper gratitude. Lord, for those who are struggling with their actions, decisions that need to be made, ways of serving or maybe forgiving or releasing offense or bitterness or any of those things. God, we don't just put on a happy face and be thankful, but Lord, I thank you that even today, our act of embodied gratitude might be obedience in that area, serving you in that area, serving someone else in that area. I thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us the deeper ways, the higher ways, the richer ways of walking in you. Lord, may we embody gratitude today and always. And we thank you for the opportunity to serve you in this way. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.